Hello, PolyAm fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polly and fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off, the podcast where we discuss many things in ethical non-monogamy. All sorts of things. We we like to pick a topic and run with it. I find it interesting, Bella. Hi, yes. Bella. How oh, are you? Hi, Monsita. How are you? I'm super good. I find it interesting that often when I start the episode, mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm saying, you're laughing at. <laughs> I'm not laughing. You sound exactly the same on every intro. Hey, Polly and Famine, welcome back to Talk Your Polly Off. And so it makes me smile and I'm, I'm not laughing at you. Okay. It's, it's cute and interesting how the even the, what is it, inflection? Is that what it's called? Inflection yeah. in your voice okay. is the exact same. So it, I just think it's adorable. Okay, let me try it again. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> hey there, Polly and Fam. <laughs> Here we are at the Typo Headquarters. We're going to talk about polyamory and all things ethical non-monogamy. There you go. Is that better? That was fantastic. Okay, good. Cheers. All. If I had a button to push for clapping, I would. Yay. It's called actual clapping. Oh, oh, is that how it works? Yeah, you okay. can actually clap. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> so, I know you've been here all weekend, but the yeah. listeners have not. Do you know what the best part about my last week off work has been? I have no clue what. We got a hot tub! We do. You know what that means. We can bring back hot tub poly talk. Yeah, be on the lookout for hot tub poly talk. <laughs> I'm actually really stoked for that. I really love doing that podcast and yeah. when our hot tub took a shit a couple years ago, I was so bummed because I love doing that podcast. Yeah, and if you're a new listener and you've never checked it out before, whatever streaming service you're on, go search for Hot Tub Poly Talk and subscribe now because when we put out a new episode, they're goofy, they're silly. I think our very first episode was what superpower would you choose to have that would help your ethical non-monogamy? Yeah. It was pretty cool. So go back and listen to those episodes. The quality's not great because we're outside in a hot tub and so there's road noise and all that stuff. But Right. Well, and that's another thing is we're at a different location that has less traffic. It does. Yep. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And, you know, they might be goofy and fun, as she said, but they might just be absolutely stupid. <laughs> but we have a great time doing it. So we're going to keep putting it's it It's a lot of fun. But today, well, is there anything else that you want to share going on Yeah, I had my first week of college already. Yeah. I have decided that I want to go major in psychology Mm -hmm. so that I can better serve the world around me and serve the world of polyamory. Yeah. I want to really ramp up the education base and the knowledge base of the coaching career that I'm really wanting to make happen. Yeah. So I'm going back to school and I'm getting my psychology degree and my first weekend, I spent, what, 12 hours a day? studying it's been a fun week I really i've enjoyed it well there's a learning curve <laughs> i haven't been to college in over a decade yeah and i'm in a four-year college now mm-hmm. and the manner in which you do things is a little different and because of covid and the summer schedule being all online the online classes are much more complex than the online classes i took over a decade ago right We did go pick up your swag bag, though. We did. So I'm not just studying for classes, but I'm also studying to learn how to navigate college life again after, you know, being in the workforce for a decade. So it's been quite the challenge. But this will be a good challenge because summer will get you like acclimated back to their systems and school. And then come fall, when you get to do some classes back on campus, you'll have a better understanding of it. Yeah, I will. And, you know, because you have to be fully vaccinated in order to attend college, right. it will feel like I can go into a more natural environment finally again where I interact with people. Yep. However that may look when it happens, Right. the ability to do that, especially these last couple months off where all I've done is pretty much been inside. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to explore the great wide world again. That also gets me excited thinking about summertime coming up and 
I don't know, 99% of the friends that we have are all fully vaccinated already, or they're like waiting on their last shot. Like everybody's almost there, which means we can host a handful of people over for fire nights and come talk on hot tub poly talk with us and, you know, come barbecue. I can't wait. Let's go to the river. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. What I'm not excited for is that I have to go back to my day job. Yeah. Not cool. I don't have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not here to just listen to us talk for five minutes about our lives. But you could. It's fine. I mean, yeah. However, we've got a really good question in from the typo phone that we're going to kind of dedicate this whole episode to. Which is why it's not part of the typo phone series. Yeah. Because we're just using this one question to talk about throughout this episode instead of bringing in a couple of uh, questions at yeah. a time. So basically we're going to end up giving just a bunch of tips for new people exploring ENM whether it's swinging or poly and some of our best practices from our learned experiences. Again, these this isn't like some must-do list. This is just what we went through and worked for us or didn't work for us. Or what friends have gone through and we've had the opportunity to be involved in some aspect of their life while they were going through that. Yeah. So here's the actual question that came in. My fiance and I are thinking about bringing another couple into our sex life to spice things up. We don't want the relationship portion of it, just sex. How do we go about meeting people with the same interests? What tips do you have? My fiance has had more time to think about this and is ready. It's more me that's more insecure about it. Please help. So the first thing that I would say Mm -hmm. is not to the person who asked this question, but to Maybe everyone else in the polyamorous world. I think that the initial knee-jerk reaction people are going to have is, oh, you want to bring people in to have sex and then cut them out of your life. Let's talk about some of the basic difference between polyamory relationships and a swinger lifestyle. Yeah. Because when you go into the swinger lifestyle in some degrees or in some ways, Mm -hmm you don't have to engage in full-on relationships. Right. And when you are engaged in swinger communities, some people prefer not to engage in the relationships. Some people understand that this is just going to be a sexual encounter. Yeah, this is just a one-night thing. We're going to have some fun. Or maybe it's a now-and-then thing. But after tonight, we don't really connect. Right, and we're not going on dates together. So I guess I wanted to not come at this question from like a polyamorous relationship mindset, but maybe more from a swinger mindset Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't feel like, oh, now we have to bash this person for using people as toys. Right, and mind you, you can be poly and a swinger. This isn't like a one or the other. And I know if you're online, you see a lot of clashing over the two lifestyles. You can be both. I mean, we definitely have had experiences where, yeah, we like our polyamorous relationships, but if we're heading out for a night at the club, we're going to lead a little bit more of a swinger night. Right. And the consent involved around a scenario like this Mm -hmm. is different than a scenario like, you know, traditional polyamorous thought process where you need to build a relationship. Right. When we go out to a club and we have our conversation if we find a couple or just somebody or multiple somebodies that want to have in that moment, just have sex, carnal exploration, have a good time, and then that's it, that's okay. Absolutely. And so when I'm listening to this question, that's how I'm thinking about this question. Yeah. And we, I mean, you touched on it for a second there where you were like, look, we just, we're not advocating using people as toys. That's not the thing. People are people. People have feelings and all of that. If you get into a discussion before playtime happens and they're like, look, my kink is that I like to be used. Use and abuse me. I love it. I love those people. I know. I love It's a good time. But if that consensual conversation happens and you're like, all right, come be my sex toy for the night. Cool. More power to you. But make sure you're having those conversations because not everybody wants to be treated like they're just your toy. So I guess this is tip one. Yeah. (laughs) You, you want to make sure that these conversations are had. Mm-hmm. You want to understand the consent involved and the boundary levels also involved so that you're interacting in a way that is good for everybody involved. Yeah, everyone's going to benefit from this in whatever way they want. We see this come up a lot too when couples are stepping out into the swinging world and they're like, oh, we want a female to be our third. 
Okay. Right? That's a big no-no. You're looking at this person like an object. We just want this female. So now you've kind of taken away who she is. You're looking for a unicorn and you're unicorn hunting. Right. But unicorn hunting isn't the problem. It's the the way they're speaking about this person or the way they're treating this person. Right. right? So the typical female for a third, you're, you're looking for a human woman to be part of your adventurous evening. Right. it's a difference of vocabulary. One's a little more demeaning. And if you understand that, sure, it's the same thing, but words have meanings. Right. So when you're out in a club and you're talking to someone and you're like, yeah, man, I'm looking for a female to be my third, to, to be our third tonight. You're probably not going to bat a hundred percent because they're going to be offended and upset by it. So pay attention to the language that you're using and what experience you're actually looking for. Well, and to go further into pay attention to the language you're using, when you do this, I would think that if you're if you're putting extra thought into this so that you know what words to use, you have a kind of a better idea of what thoughts you should have about the scenario anyway. Yeah. If I am saying, I'm just looking for a third for the night, you know, we are looking for a third for the night, then yes, I'm, you know, objectifying this person. Right. But if I'm thinking it would be really fun for us to find another person where we can all get together and do this thing. Then you're looking for a person who, yes, you want your desires met, but you're also wanting to meet their desires. Yeah. And you're understanding internally that that you're all people with all your own needs mm-hmm. and all your own desires. And you're trying to work together to make it happen like a team. Yeah. It's so, human interaction. Yeah. Not objectification right now another thing i would like to say though is i mentioned the unicorn hunting Mm -hmm. a minute ago and in polyamorous lifestyles unicorn hunting isn't isn't seen as a good thing right because of the objectification and all this other thing however in some swinger lifestyles or some swinger circles being a unicorn isn't really seen as a bad thing sometimes that's what a person wants and that's as the unicorn, that's what a person wants. Yeah, I know many people who love being the unicorn. And they're like, man, I want to find a couple. Cool, but they're just very rare. And so if you go in looking for it, right, you might be disappointed. Because there's not a ton of them out there. But they do exist. So another tip, uh, don't have high expectations. <laughs> don't have any expectations. And be open <laughs> to adapt. Yeah. Right? If, if you're looking for the unicorn or this couple, and you're not quite finding it, be willing to adapt a little bit to see where it takes you. Because if you make it so rigid, you'll never be able to color outside the lines. Right. You know, you want to be able to color outside the lines because that's where art is made. So be willing to allow change and be open-minded to possibilities that were not what you initially talked about. Yeah. Speaking of talking about, we've mentioned this in many of our episodes. We play a lot of the what-if game. Oh, super important. Right? Uh, So, I mean, we talk about communication all the time. So this is part of just communicating. But this is that front-loading, preemptively talking about things. If we know we're new to this lifestyle, we're excited, we're, we're a little hopped up on energy tonight, heading out to the club... On the way there, and a little before maybe, we're going to have a lot of, hey, what if we get to the club and we're sitting at, we're playing pool or we're sitting at a table and there's this couple that wants to come up and swap. Yeah. But I'm not into the dude, but you and the girl are really hitting it off. What's going to happen? What right. if that happens? How do we play that out? Or what if, you know, a woman comes up and she's totally down to, to join us in a bedroom? Yeah. What do we do? And have a lot of these what-if conversations so that way, one, you can kind of figure out your expectations around the night. And again, this isn't a bad thing, but if you have low expectations and your thought is, we're just going to go out for a drink and a game of pool and we're going to meet some fun people. And see what happens. Just see what happens and go with the flow. Then you're not going to be let down if nothing happens later that night. But if you go in with these expectations of, I'm going to fuck 20 chicks tonight, <laughs> then you're going to be let down because that's probably not going to happen. Right. Well, and then that's, it's super important when you're playing the what if game to ask as many what ifs as you can, because it's Murphy's law, right? Whenever you 
are going into a scenario, you've asked seven different what ifs. <laughs> and the one you did not ask is the one that happens. Yeah. And then you're stuck either doing the thing and then having hell to pay afterwards because that didn't play in the what if game. Mm -hmm. Or you're missing an opportunity because you don't want to pay hell. So try to ask as many what if questions. And I do it all the time. Like, yeah. We do it all the time. We go to a club and I'm like, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if the well, and I'm not building expectations. I'm just trying to cover bases going in. We learned it the hard way, right? Oh, we yeah, did, we did. We did this work early on and we had many fights. There was a night where he was off. There, I think there were a couple times this happened. He was off having a good time with a, a lady friend. And I found myself sitting at the table at 2 a.m. like, I want to fucking go home. When are you going to be done? And of course, you can't have your phones or anything. So he's in a room, no idea what time it is, in there for hours, having a great time. I don't know where he is, which room he's in. And it's not like there's clocks on the wall. Yeah. You know, where you're like, oh, geez, I got... So then Two the, minutes to midnight. Yeah. By the time he gets out, I'm like, where the fuck have you been? And he's like, oh, my bad. Like, I thought this was okay. And it was okay. I just got really tired of sitting there. So having those conversations, cool. What if you hook up with this really great person and you're having a good old time and I'm done? Like, what What do we do? What, right. what happens? How do we handle that? Right. Because the what if isn't just, you know, how many people or how many positions or <laughs> it's also... Length of time, you know, how many drinks, whatever it is yeah. that you want to play the what-if game to cover as many bases as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I think a very important thing that this question that was asked brings to light is when you're very first thinking about opening your relationship, mm -hmm. you want to have the fun and you want to explore and you want to do the dirty, <laughs> but the fear of those feelings coming into mm -hmm. play or the fear of catching a partner with someone else and the jealousy that's going to wash over you. Now, this isn't a personal experience. I'm going to cite a movie. <laughs> I think it was like The Son of Sam or something like that, and it had John Leguizamo in it. Okay. And in this, John Leguizamo and his wife or fiance or girlfriend, you know, they're just normal people living through the summer during the Summer of Sam thing, the okay. David Berkowitz serial killer thing. And at one point in the movie, they go to this party, and the party turns into a swinger party, or was, and they just didn't realize it. And they're like, well, shit, let's give it a shot. And they're at the party when they decide to open their relationship. <laughs> and they're having a great time, right? Yeah. And, and you're seeing... Leguizamo going to town, and you, I think his his girl is getting double penetrated, yeah. and he's all about it, and she's all about it, and everyone's all about it. And then he finishes, mm -hmm. he climaxes yeah. with another person. Yep. And in that excitement, you know, drains with all of your energy when you climax. And then he turns and looks and sees that his girl's with someone else, and then he just gets overwhelmed with jealousy. Yeah. And it causes problems in the relationship. This is probably a pretty common thing. Jealousy will happen. So when you're going into the idea of opening your relationship, be mindful of this because it sounds fun and it sounds sexy and it sounds exciting. But when you got to do it and then you have to face your partner and you're not ready for that, maybe your partner's not done yet with whoever they're with. That's going to be something that's going to require a lot of communication, hopefully up front. You don't decide this at the party, <laughs> but hopefully a lot of communication up front and maybe some kind of a fail safe for, okay, so we're exploring swinging mm -hmm. and this is the first time we've been monogamous for 20 years of our life. We're going to go out and we're going to try to swing and then we all have a good time. How do we manage afterwards? And right. what if I start feeling very insecure? Or what if I get jealous? Or vice versa. Or what if it started as swinging and now feelings have evolved? And you're texting this girl you hooked up with. How am I going to feel? Which happens a lot. Yeah, maybe it develops from swinging to poly. Like, you just never know. So that's where those what if questions really come in handy. Because you're overplaying it. Right. And then that's where a failsafe would come in handy. Where... Say you, you do this thing, you know up front that there's a good chance that there's going to be some friction in the relationship and not the good kind <laughs> after it's all said and done. So how are you going to work with your partner to help your partner or yourself overcome these insecurities or these jealousies or talk about what happened in a way that's productive that doesn't tear your relationship apart? 
Right. You know the hard feelings and the emotions are going to come. So do a little research, figure it out ahead of time. For me, I know it's journaling. And we've, again, said it in previous episodes. If you're new here, figure out where the feeling is coming from. Mm-hmm. Right? If if I'm feeling suddenly super jealous and, oh, my God, he just hooked up with this other chick. He's going to leave me. All these things. Why are you feeling so insecure about it? Yeah. Usually it's a fear. It's an insecurity. You think he's going to leave you for someone, quote, better and again, there is no better. Everyone is just different. So knowing that you've got these tough feelings and emotions that are going to come up, figure out in advance how you're going to deal with them. Let your partner know, hey, I'm probably going to struggle when this is all done. Be patient with me and let's talk through this. Yeah, because realistically, relationships are hard, whether they're monogamous or swinger or polyamorous or whatever it is. When you start incorporating other people and in other aspects that you don't quite often have to deal with as prominently in monogamy, yeah, then these things are starting to become more present and they require a lot of work. So when you're talking about swinging with someone and you found that you suddenly have feelings with this someone that you swing, mm-hmm. swing, swing, swung, swing. <laughs> that you swinged with, swingalingalingding. Then understand that you're not just going to have to manage your newfound feelings for this person. You're going to have to try to understand, is this person willing to reciprocate these feelings or is this crossing that boundary? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the scenario, it's also your partner is going to have a lot of feelings that are going to affect your personal relationship with your partner. So this is where this stuff gets a little bit complicated and this is where some people really struggle yeah and we had an episode called jealousy the green-eyed monster mm-hmm. you could probably go back to that and hear more on jealousy it's like in the first 20 episodes somewhere it's it's far back a ways yeah one of the other things that comes up a lot is how do i meet people to do this right if you're coming straight out of monogamy and you're like i don't even know where these weirdos meet up <laughs> how do yeah. i discover them do you just walk up to someone in a bar and say hey Hey, are you a swinger? Are you down? Want to fuck? Let's well, go. Well, like you want to look for flamingos on the lawn. Upside down pineapples. Upside down pineapples. I learned that from TikTok. The pampas grass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's always indicators somewhere, right? Yeah, but see, that's not even legit because someone's just going to like upside down pineapples and they're going to hang the lights and then you're going to be like, I'm here for the swinger party. And they're going to be like, I am not into that one bit. <laughs> well, you're not always going to succeed. You know, you got to take that chance. But again, yeah, no, people aren't going to wear these symbols prominently all the time. So it's just where like the infinity you? heart for polyamory, right? Right. Well, that's a symbol for polyamory to us, but there's a lot of people who use it just as an infinite love symbol. Right. So, Bella. Yes. Help me out. Okay. Where do I find people who are into swinging? Well, these days, with everything being so... Shut down, open, shut down, everything's online. I would start by joining local Facebook groups. And I know that sounds scary, right? You've got this profile and all your family and your work friends are all on your profile. If (laughs) most of these groups are going to be secret in that nobody on your Facebook friends list can see that you're in this group or what's being said or done in this group. But if they're secret... You can't search for them, can you? You have to be invited. There's been some updates to Facebook as far as like closed groups and secret groups and what's what. But yes, if they're totally locked down, you'll have to be invited. So you got to find the people to invite you to those groups. So you still have to find a person, right? So my next suggestion, once you're in these groups, they end up listing out different meetups. So you can make some friends with people in the lifestyle. Those friends can probably refer you to some other groups. But if you don't know how to get into any of these and you're like, I'm at a bar, does that look like a swinger meetup? I don't know. I can't tell. I would suggest going to your local adult clubs. Also, FetLife. FetLife is great. I know that, you know, it's not as active as it has been. Yeah. But FetLife is a good place because everyone's there for some kink or another. Right. And there's swinger groups on there, polyamory groups on there. And you don't have to use your real name. You don't have to post your face, you know, go there. And then a lot of that stuff's more public because it's a little more anonymous. Right. So I'd say to even start there if you're trying to figure it out. Where do I find a munch? A munch is a place, by the way, 
where people will come together of a certain lifestyle type, whether it's kink or swinging or, you know, what have you. You go there. You were talking about adult clubs. Yep. Explain to that. You can go to an adult club. So there, some people call them swinger clubs. Some people call them sex clubs. I just call them an adult club, right? Imagine a married couple. They've been together for 20 years and they've got a couple little rugrats running around. It's expensive to go out on a date night and then you've got the babysitter and you go out to dinner and a movie, but then maybe you want to get your alone freaky time, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go back to the house because then the babysitter leaves and the kids are there again. Right. So these adult clubs, most of the time are offering food and drink. You've got a dance floor oftentimes, music's playing. It's kind of like a club scene or setting. You can mingle with people and interact fully clothed by the way there's no pressure to do anything and then they have private rooms in the back usually somewhere there's a couple floors of this building sometimes but you can have your adult night out and have nothing to do with poly or swinging or kink or any of it just Mm -hmm. an adult club night where you get some private sexy time if you want it yeah however if you go to these clubs one the people at the front desk are going to be able to tell you about their swinger nights or their kink nights or things like that so you can ask them information, call them on the phone and during their hours and ask them questions about when they're open for swinging, stuff like that. Once you get your foot in the door there and you start meeting people, even if it has nothing to do with sexy time, you just get a drink at the bar and you're hanging out on the dance floor, start talking to people. And that's usually a good connection too. Yeah. And at the very least, it'll help you make friends, which yep. is where I would say that you also want to look. I mean, if you're not wanting to build romantic relationships, you you could still be friends with the people, that, you know, friends with benefits. Totally. And, you know, maybe you've got a group of friends that you hang out with. Just bring up the question. You, you guys are having a fun night and then just be like, hey, has anyone ever thought about this? Yeah. And you might be surprised at the answers you're going to get. I mean, like, I would suggest not to be, like, subtle or sneaky about it <laughs> because you don't want to feel like you're coercing and you don't want them to feel like they're being pressured. Just a fun, open question. You know, if it it feels like it can be worked in the conversation or to start a conversation, give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah. I've found that certain friends that I didn't think were into any of the certain things that I was in are actually curious or interested. And then that's when, if there's enough positive response, further discussions can be had be like oh that would be fun maybe we should chat about that later you know like tomorrow when we're all not drinking or what have you absolutely here's another tip too that kind of goes along with the what if conversations and overly communicating and stuff like that again we did an episode previously on boundaries versus rules yeah but this is a big discussion before anything happens because what a lot of people do right out of the gate and i'm going to use the same example that i use all the time But right out of the gate, you can't have unprotected sex with anybody. I don't care who you hook up with tonight, but you have to, you can't have unprotected sex. You have to use condoms, right? right? Out of the gate, that's a pretty typical rule that people set up. Yeah. Now. That and don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. Some people even come out with don't kiss on the lips. That's saved and sacred for me. When you start listing rules out. You are putting those, you're trying to control someone else's behavior. So I'm telling you what you can and cannot do. Right. The way that's a little bit healthier to do this and more, I don't know, ethical, I suppose, to do it is, hey, I have a personal boundary where I don't want to sleep with you if you're having unprotected sex. So you're still going to do your thing. But if you have unprotected sex, I'm not going to sleep with you until you come back with negative STD tests. Or we're going to start using protected sex. Or we're going to use protection. So you put it, it's like putting the rule on yourself. You're building your boundaries based on your safety and your comfort level with things. Mm -hmm. And you still let your partner have their own autonomy, their free will decision making. But they understand that if they do this thing, there's going to be not, I don't want to say consequences, but their action is going to have a reaction in my boundary. Right. And and setting rules is a quick way to accidentally build resentment. I personally, when someone like a partner tries to set a rule on me, mm-hmm. 
that means I'm going to break the rule. Rules are like, typically meant to be broken. You don't tell me what to do. Right. You think I can't do this? Watch me. Right. And, and it's not the greatest behavior, obviously. <laughs> but I say this because I'm sure that I'm not alone in this feeling. And a lot of people take not, it as a challenge. Yeah. Intentionally or not. Like, I don't think about, oh, she gave me this rule and I'm going to see how many times I can break it tonight. Right. It's just a matter of like, I'm a grown-ass adult. I can do what I want. Right. So, and then a lot of times with rules too, people slip, right? People mess up, especially Mm -hmm. if you've given them 20 rules to remember. And then it's like, crap, what was I, I was supposed to check in at this time. I wasn't supposed to talk to these people. I was supposed to do that. Like, it's a lot to remember. And then you're going to kill the mood, bringing out your little checklist and being like, hold on, this is what we can't do. Did I, is this, is this bad? Can I do this? You know, like bring it down a little bit. Right. <laughs> I think about the example rule that you gave about kissing on the mouth. Mm-hmm. You can't kiss another person on the mouth. That's my romantic heart thing. Right. right. It's just saved for me. When you're in the heat of the moment and you're exploring, you know, your sexual adventure with a new person, passion plays a lot more than logic or brain. Right. And in that heat of the moment, you might end up kissing on the mouth. And it's not, I don't know. I feel like to me, kissing, whether it's on the mouth or on the neck or whatever, that's that's part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're in the middle of the throes of passion and you go kiss on the mouth, you're suddenly going to be like, oh, no, I just broke that rule. Right. Now my relationship's over. Or you're like, shit, I need to hide that forever. And that builds the secrecy thing, which is no good. And with the boundary, right? So you're free to do, have your own behavior. And if you come back and you're talking about your night out and your partner suddenly like, oh, that kind of crosses this thing. I'm not comfortable with that. They have the autonomy to then have their own reaction to it. So you kissed on the mouth. The action happened, right? There's right. It, it, there's no going back. You can't You take can't it change back. it. So now how am I going to react to it? You know, does that just mean I don't want to make out with you until you've brushed your teeth and mouthwashed? Maybe that's all that means for me. You know, you have to figure out what you're safe and comfortable with. Right. So going back to the question a little bit, they had mentioned that they were really into it for the sex. They're not looking for the relationship portion. How how do you avoid the relationship? That's a really tough one because, like I mentioned earlier in the throes of passion, when it comes to matters of the heart, it's really tough to say you do this very intimate thing with someone and then have the ability to compartmentalize mm-hmm. that as its own thing. And I think that's built into certain people. Certain people compartmentalize better than others. Yeah, absolutely. But when when you're exploring this for the first time, I mean, the thrill of it is there. We talk about new relationship energy and polyamory a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's that same kind of energy that often when you're not prepared for it and you've lived a monogamous lifestyle for so long, you've automatically tied sex with a relationship. Right. So you kind of have to deconstruct that thought process quite a bit in order to be able to do that. I know that, I can do one night stands. I've had them. I've had friends with benefits and I've been able to keep these certain things compartmentalized in a way where if I had a friend with benefits, we both had this understanding. We're still going to chill out. We're still going to be buds. The sex is just a thing that we do when we both need to. It's like game night. Yeah. (laughs) And you can have feelings for that person. You can understand though that some of those feelings are going to be that new relationship energy, that new energy of a new experience. And you had a great time and you're crystallizing a lot of emotions around it. Right. I think sometimes it takes a minute to step back and, you know, am I floating on cloud nine? Because I just, I'm riding a high from this experience. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. I want to do this again. Right. Or am I truly connecting with this person? Like, I can have a great time, but then they don't talk ever. I try and text and there's nothing. It's a one-way conversation, but I'm still floating on cloud nine. Maybe that's because you just had a good time in the experience and it's not building a relationship. Right. 
So be mindful of what the feelings are that you're attaching to the experience. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Yeah, definitely. But as a matter of understanding that you're you're not here to build that relationship, you're going to potentially, especially if this is your first time doing it, you're going to potentially create those crystallized emotions mm-hmm. around that experience. I know, I do. I have, I struggle with one-night stands. I'd rather a friend with benefits than a one-night stand because the one-night stand happens and it's great and I'm like, wait, what was your name? Where are you going? And right. I, I have a problem with that. Well, and then even with the friend with benefits, a friend with benefits is not a romantic partner. Right. You know, these are going to be the people that, like, you're having barbecues with and, you know, you hang out for game night yeah. and, and you're just chilling. You might party together or whatever it is that you do. The sexual aspect is just when you both have this need to be met and you're both willing to do that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're in a relationship. Unless you both have talked about it and want to further it, then sure. But in this scenario, if you don't want to build that relationship, then you got to be mindful not to crystallize the feelings in a way which bridges that gap between friendship and relationship. Yep. And again, have this conversation with the person you're about to hook up with. Be like, hey, I think you're really fantastic and fun, and I am totally down for a good time tonight, but I'm not looking for romantic feelings after tonight. Right. And make sure that they understand that this will not continue to a relationship. Right. And internally, make sure that you understand (laughs) this will not continue into a relationship. Definitely. So I think that would be probably the, the easiest way to explain that aspect of it. So the other part in the question that they mentioned was that their partner is more ready for this. The partner's done a bunch of research. They're emotionally, physically, they're just ready for this. Whereas our friend asking the question here has not, they're not quite, they're a little more insecure. They're excited, but unsure. And so they're not quite on the same page, but they want to start looking at this. And this is something that often happens when couples decide to explore the aspects of ethical non-monogamy is that you don't run at the same speed all the time. I don't think you run at the same speed ever. You might be on the same page and understanding, but I feel like there's always one person who's going to be quicker about something than another person. Right. And with that in mind, are you doing this just because your partner wants to? Are you doing this because you do genuinely want to? Maybe your partner brought it up, and that's why they have more understanding of it, because they've been thinking about it, they've been checking into it, and then they present you with this information, and now you're a little behind on the game, and you gotta, you got to figure out how to catch up. Mm-hmm. So that could also potentially be building some insecurities in itself. Well, how do they already know about this, or what if I'm not ready, or why do they want this so bad? Yeah. So if you're not sure if this is really what you want, you need to get right with yourself. And you need to figure out, is this what I want or not, regardless of any external input I'm getting. Yep. And you need to be able to handle what you want. And then if that conflicts with your partner, then then there's discussions to be had. Yep. With that said, if this is also something you do want, you do realize that you want to try to open your relationship up, you're excited at the opportunities, but you're just struggling a little bit, you know, they're they're more ahead than you are. And, you know, you're still managing, like, insecurities and fears around Mm -hmm. this. Then take your time and figure out why it is that you're not ready to take that first step. Yeah, and separate from swinging and poly and E&M stuff altogether, read books on jealousy and insecurity just about yourself. Do your own personal growth and learn how to manage those feelings before you even step into complicating things. Right. You know, that's a good point. I have this jealousy workbook I bought quite a few years ago that I worked through and I thought I had my shit together. Yeah. You know? And the jealousy workbook is not poly related. No, it's literally just just jealousy. Jealousy. Yep. And I thought I had my shit together. I bought this book because I'm like, well, I know I'm going to encounter more jealousy and polyamory and I'm tired of feeling it and I want to learn how to get over it. Mm -hmm. But I still felt like I was pretty far along in my jealousy journey and I bought this book and I start working through this workbook and even though I thought I had myself figured out, (laughs) it was asking some real raw questions and it was really 
it was really causing me to reflect on myself and my life and where I came from and what I'm feeling. And just going through the workbook was hard. Yeah. Like I had, I know that there was one assignment thing in there where I actually almost kind of had a little bit of a meltdown and I was just processing my own shit on my <laughs> own, right? It's not like I had a partner. I'm like, okay, we're going to go through this book together. Yeah. I was sitting by myself going through this book. So you may think that you have your stuff all figured out, but there's a good chance that you still have not gotten to the root of the issue. Definitely. So if you're struggling to get caught up or if you're not quite sure yet, that's a good sign that you still have a little bit of work to do. Right. Definitely. And you mentioned in there about where you came from and you're working through stuff from your past and mm -hmm. how you grew up and some of these things. Well, our question friend here has also mentioned that they grew up a little bit more sheltered. Even talking about sex in their household was a big no-no. Yeah. So they're looking to live this freer lifestyle, you know, finding, I have no other word other than freedom in living how they choose to live. Feeling open and liberated. Yeah. Wanting to explore new things without shame or guilt. Yep. Shame and guilt are big and they should just disappear. I, they should no longer exist. I totally get this because <laughs> I was raised in a way where sex was this horrible, evil thing to think about, and you certainly didn't talk about it, and you had to follow all these very strict rules. Right. But I also know, because as a child, I would see my parents not follow the rules they were putting on their <laughs> kids. Right? I do remember in my younger days, you know, we're all supposed to be... In bed, sleeping. Right. Did you catch your parents? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Oh, no. You know, we're, we know <laughs> that the parents are partying because they're loud and we can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And us kids are talking. And so we all sneak out there and we see what's going on. You right. Know? Hiding behind the corner, looking down the stairs, you know, <laughs> however it is that you kids do it. And they obviously weren't practicing what they preached. <laughs> so that's a really tough thing because then you start developing... Not everybody, but some people start developing real stigmatized thoughts. Right. And even as an adult, for years and years, like, I'm I'm cool with being open with just about everything. I like to, you know, call my mom up and say oh things that shock her a little bit just because it's fun. It's terrible listening to your phone calls with your mom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, you're going to give her a heart attack. But, I mean, like, you know, it happens. A lot of people don't find that aspect of them. And even though I have found that aspect, there are plenty of times where I don't want to talk about sex details. Like with you mm -hmm. and I, you know that I have this partner and you know I'm going over there and you know we're going to do something because I'm taking the kink bag right. with me, right? And then I get home and you're like, how was it? And I'm very basic. I'm like, I will share this information, but I won't tell you the sort of details. And mind you, uh, there's consent from the partner. The partner he goes to see has said... You can share all of this with Bella. It's not like he's breaking a consent rule. He Obviously. just doesn't always feel comfortable sharing it. <laughs> yeah, it's my personal thing because the way that I grew up and the, and the thoughts or ideals around, you know, the sordid types of sex or even just sex in general, having descriptive details about it isn't always easy. Yeah. Well, I can so living that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you finish. Okay. So living that kind of a lifestyle, there is a potential that you're going to feel guilt or shame because it was very shame-based growing up. Yeah. Or taboo. Yeah, I definitely... We didn't talk about sex in the household at all. Uh, it just wasn't... It wasn't really... Honestly, any sort of intimacy wasn't discussed or touched on at all. We didn't really say... <laughs> we weren't big, lovey family people. Like, sure, you know, give a kiss, give a hug, I love you, see you later. But it wasn't a big emotion in the house, let alone trying to talk about sex and things. That just mm -hmm. didn't happen. But I was monogamously married from, like, age 20 to 27, and I remember once the divorce was done and I was on my own going, getting close to 30, I was like, man, this freedom, this feeling of autonomous living and I can make my own choices and be my own person, whatever type of person I choose to be was so amazing. And now, I mean, I've been doing this for over a decade now. 
I don't think I'd ever go back to being monogamous. I don't even know if I'd legally ever get married again. It's just, it feels so free. And so I can absolutely understand what our, what our caller questioner here has asked has thought about but you had to break that barrier to get there and breaking that barrier is extremely difficult oh i thought something was wrong with me when i was out of my so at the end of my marriage i was like man our sex life blows like this is terrible there's got to be more to this and then once that was over and i was back in the dating world and i was like on ok cupid and things like that and I started exploring and discovered kink and poly and swinging and all these alternative lifestyles, my mind was blown. Like it had to be shown to me. And once I found it, I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy because I want to be choked during sex. <laughs> right. So in my mind, a lot of, you know, we've already talked about shame, but one of the biggest thing that holds you back is fear. Mm-hmm. In my mind, fear is the biggest killer of life. If you're too afraid to explore, you're never going to get to experience. And that's one of the things that I overcame early, 17, 16, whatever, that I overcame in order to have a more full life, a life where, oh, I want to do this thing. Okay, I'm going to do it instead of, I want to do this thing, but I'm too afraid, so I'll never get to do it. And when I'm on my deathbed, I'll be looking back and be like, shit, I should have done that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Fear is terrifying, obviously, because it's fear. (laughs) But in general, it's not going to kill you if you confront it. It's going to kill you if you don't. Yeah. Our fear typically comes from that primitive part of our brain Mm -hmm. that is trying to save us from something. Right. Whether it's it's saving us from rejection or it's saving us from the predators or whatever that primitive section of our brain is, that's where fear comes from. And so most of the time, if we can dig down and figure out what we're really afraid of, we can squash the fear and get past it. Yeah. So figure out what it is that scares you so much that you're not taking that step and overcome that. Personally, like when I first started going to the sex clubs. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was appropriate dress. Right. And there's some things that I really want to wear or there's some things I really want to do in the club. But in the beginning, I'm like, I'm too afraid to do this because what if? And it's the unknown. Right. Overcome that. And and that's why we ask the what if questions is once you start learning the answers to your what if, then it all seems a little easier to do. So I'm afraid to do this kinky thing in a semi-public space in the club, what if I get judged or what if someone doesn't like it or what if, what if, what if? Yeah. Learn to answer your what if before you go into the scenario. Now I go in there and, you know, when I've got my violet wand or when I've got my impact tools, Mm -hmm. people want a tasting. People want to know what it feels like and they don't want to have the sex involved. They just want to experience that thing. Yep. And because I'm comfortable, because I overcame my fears, I'm comfortable providing that service for somebody in a safe space that they get to explore so that they can overcome their what if. Yeah. And it's really just a beautiful thing. So bringing that back to swinging, there are the what ifs. But if you have answers to these ahead of time, navigating through the uncharted waters isn't as hard to do. Yeah, so if you're feeling insecure and you're not quite sure, drill down, figure out those fears, figure out why you're feeling these things. And if you can do that ahead of time, sure, you're still going to hit some speed bumps along the way. But the majority of the hard work will be done in advance. It'll make the process a little bit smoother for you. And then finally, and we've touched on this a little bit, but finally I would say that While you may not want a relationship, a romantic relationship with the person you want to swing with, it is good to develop a friendship in a way. Because when you're comfortable with someone, that's going to also overcome the the really awkward moments. Yeah. Not a lot of people are great with having sex with strangers. Some people are, and that's totally cool. But some people really struggle with that. Yeah. So develop a friendship, develop a bond. Get comfortable with this person. Also, understand if they're a person to be comfortable with. Because, I mean, 
part of the reason why kink communities and swinger communities and polyamorous communities work well when they work is because, you know, they, they look out for each other. We want to make sure that it's a safe environment for everybody. So getting to know somebody is a great way of getting a good read on whether this is a safe and comfortable way for you to explore your swinger side. Yep. And again, I will go back to doing it at the clubs. You're not meeting in someone else's home. It's very public. There's lots of people there, public in the sense that you're not alone. Right. There's people there. If it goes sideways and and the person's making you uncomfortable, talk to the staff. The staff will take care of it. I am a total advocate for going to a adult club for your swinging parties. Right. When people start hosting them at their homes or in their houses, that's great. But most of the time, those people have like an inner circle of swinger friends. Mm -hmm. If you're new to the lifestyle, you're not going to know the host. There's no trust there yet. They don't know you. The people at the party aren't sure. It makes things a little bit more difficult. So until you've maybe built up your circle of swinger friends, my personal recommendation is to stick with the clubs. Well, and then that's providing there are clubs. It's an easy thing to say yep. for people who live in the bigger cities. Yep. When you don't live in a bigger city, like when I lived in rural Washington, there was no sex clubs. There were no adult clubs. There was no way to connect with swingers or non-monogamous right. people. And that's, I guess, where I say to start building friendships. Because if you can ask your friends these questions or if you can develop a friend circle and eventually you might have a friend that would connect you to the type of person that you're looking for. And if they're connecting you, they're referring that person. Right. Well, and that's different because then you've got, you know, someone in the circle, right? right. If, if you're going to a house party or someone has their own private space kind of a thing, you've got someone bringing you in. So the house parties aren't bad. Just be aware of what you're walking into and who's there. And even if you're new there... Kind of ask around, like, how do you know the host or how do you know this yeah. person? And if everyone seems like nobody knows anybody, how did this house party start? Right. And what's going on? But if people are comfortable and people do know each other, you see them all chatting and then you know that that friend circle is there and then that community is there. Yep. And it's a good place to be. Absolutely. Well, I think on that note, we've covered pretty much all of our tips for this caller. Well, quite a bit at least. Yeah. yeah. All the way I'm sure there's always it. more. Yeah. But so we thank you for, you know, texting in this question. If you want to call, leave us a voicemail or text in a question. The typo phone is area code 209-536-8976. 209 right, All right, M fam. I think that pretty much does it for today. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Okay, bye! Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links. Or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepoly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam, live like there's no tomorrow, laugh until it hurts, and, and love, love without, without limits. limits.